You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 10, episode 32. I'm John, I'm your host for this evening, and joined by Scott from the Pretty Blog Net. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And returning from last week, we've got Ian from the famous Titan Army magazine. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. Hope you're both as well as well. I am all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tony's missing. I think he doesn't know what I talk about Dundee United winning. As we know how much Tony loves Dundee United. But also as well as Scott conveniently pointed out before the podcast, he misses times when Celtic have maybe slipped up and no got a good result. So there's a wee theme here that we've noticed. Uh, Dundee United doing well, Celtic doing badly, no Tony. Um, and I think maybe it was all too much of him as well, talking about Scotland last week and how optimistic and happy he was about it. Yeah, I can imagine that might have taken a lot out of him. And then... um, we've all been brought back down to earth. Um, yeah. That. yeah. May as well get touring about it straight away, the game last Wednesday against Israel. <laughs> Big pause there. I think, no, see, I think one thing that I think a lot of people have missed is that that was the third big, big game in a week for Scotland. And international football, I think, to have three games like that. And I know the reasons, obviously, for it are the pandemic and stuff. But, you know, that's mental exhaustion as well as fitness. You know, you've, you, the biggest result for well over a decade, followed by two tough away games. The third game is always going to be probably tougher than it should have been because of what came before it. Again, it kind of highlights the same issues in terms of McTominay at the back. He's not a natural centre-back and he gets caught in certain positions that you wouldn't expect a centre-back to get caught out from. And that's what led to their goal. But I thought against both uh, Slovakia and Israel, we actually dominated fair parts of it. We, we played better, I would say, in getting a, a, a worse result against Israel the second time round. So I, I just think it's more timing than anything else. I think the, the win over Serbia probably just took more out of us than we expected, especially for another two games after that in, in the space of a week. Yeah, maybe as well we put things into context when we look at how well Serbia did against Russia. Well, exactly, yeah. yeah. Look at so who they, they bounced back um, and absolutely thumped Russia, who obviously mauled Scotland the last time we played them. So, you know, if you'd have said to me before that international week that that's how it would, it would go, yes, I'd be disappointed because obviously we could have got promotion. That would have made it easier to qualify for the next World Cup. But let's just get the Euros out the road first. Let's get into that. Then, you know, we haven't... We've solidified our position in that group. And, you know, we're probably better off in terms of performance, in terms of player development, playing teams in and around our level again, rather than going up a stage and maybe losing quite badly against better teams. Yeah. And you see that with club teams in the Champions League. You know, the 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 bigger the gap is nowadays and, you know, Scottish clubs could take a hiding. Um, 
in these games. So yeah, you, maybe ask, you kind of think you're right. And I think if you think back, we've gone, we went nine games uh, unbeaten. I mean, I think that is for Scotland unbelievable. And to actually beat Serbia, I mean, and the way we played against Serbia, I don't think that other well they take the shine off a bit, but it doesn't take anything away from what we achieved by qualifying. I think it's absolutely fantastic, and I'm sure every single one of us would have taken qualification and the situation we're in just now. They would have taken that. I suppose just because we played so well against Serbia, the other two results do seem a bit flatter. But, you know, we weren't hammered, we weren't outplayed. We just didn't have enough, and not enough up front. And we did look a wee bit tired and jaded uh, in the last game, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, we're going to the Euros, so... Aye, that was a target at the start, wasn't it, anyway? So we got there. It's just the fact that I we went into the last two games, four points I had a second place thinking, right, We've got a good chance here, but I as what it is, it was a typically tight contest against Israel as it's been in the other games against them. I think early on the main problem was that Dykes was very isolated. He wasn't quite didn't quite have the same impact as maybe what he's had in other games. But I as you say, Scott, we, we created enough chances certainly to probably win the game. Whether there was any massive maybe clear cut chances, I'm not quite so sure, but we certainly created more than them. With a couple just oh uh, O'Donnell had a chance then McGinn before they scored, you know, and it was a good save from McGinn's header. Um, yeah. No, we had a couple of chances. Bad, we look at the stats earlier on and we were, had more possession with more shots on goal, with more shots on target, you know, so if you look at the stats, but saying that, just couldn't get the goal really, could we? So Yeah. Which O'Donnell chance do you think was better? The one where he swiped it or the one where he could have played in Dykes? He should have passed it, yeah. Um, hard to say, not the first chance. Uh, this the first one was the one he just he missed it, isn't it? And the oh, second one, yeah, the box, uh, yeah, I think that was probably a better chance, but yeah, the second one, if you maybe played him in, was there not a chance for McBurnley as well? He kind of, I hate yeah, he kind of just, just too well placed rather than you know, try and get it to a corner. I think he just placed it. You know, straighten the keeper's arms, or you could have probably yeah. put it anywhere else. You're causing a bit more of a, tr- a trouble for Marciano. So, um, it's funny because I think that it was a strange way that that group turned out. Because when we played badly, we seemed to pick up results. Um, we were lucky against the Czechs um, when they had all their COVID um, problems, and yeah. then. When we actually started playing well, we conceded two goals, um, Slovakia and Israel, and couldn't really find an answer. Um, and that shows, again, that we're still, although Dykes has done very well, we're still kind of struggling to create chances sometimes, or put chances away. Yeah, it's fine margins in these games, wasn't it? Yeah, certainly, and that, that's, why, that's why I think we'll be better off playing these sort of teams again, rather than going up one where we will struggle even more, but try to find their feet and getting performances and goals. Yeah, and you could look at that, the two, the Serbia goal um, coming right near the very, very end, you know, totally switched off. You know, like you could say that was individual mistakes because there wasn't a lot of chances getting given away from Scotland. So you could say it's down to a couple of individual errors or positioning play that caused yeah. us the goals, but pretty tight usually. 
You know, we're not. A, I wouldn't say any team will come up against us will say, "Oh yeah, it's going to be a pushover." Hopefully not. Anyway, aye. <laughs> and the big thing as well, we were talking about in the group chat as well, Scott. The lack of pace that we had. If we'd had a wee bit of pace and it showed when Park came on and threatened, then I think we'd have maybe got something out of the game. Yeah, exactly. I think um, we missed Fraser um, and Forrest um, a wee bit for that kind of thing. I think people forgot about that as well, that we didn't have that extra bit of pace. Um, Although Brian Christie played really well, um, especially against um, Serbia uh, with his goal. Um, We did miss that pace, especially in that last game against Israel, to really get in behind them. And Burke showed that that could be done, although he didn't have an end product. Aye. And yeah. Israel as well, again, managed to nullify our threat at fullback, especially Daza, again, impressed. Andy Robertson didn't really get many opportunities to get forward. Yeah. I mean, Israel, uh, Israel-Scotland games are close. We've played them five times in the last couple of years, you know what I mean? And I think we'll maybe go into it maybe a bit you know, too com- not too confident, but thinking we could do a lot better just because of that great result against Serbia. And I think these two games, albeit we looked a bit tired, and I know there was eight changes in the Slovakia game, but maybe it's brought us a bit back down to feet in the ground again and realising there's a long way to go. Um, but certainly we've made massive, massive strides from where we, were, where we had been. I, at least we're, like, we're actually excited about the future, which is good. Even though yeah. it's just now when we were talking a wee bit in I can acquire our tone than what we were last week when we were absolutely buzzing. And, uh, yeah, no, no singing tonight. No, no singing tonight, no. <laughs> Definitely not. I don't think the audience need to hear that. Yeah. But, I mean, you could, you, could look, you could look back the way and go, oh, maybe we shouldn't have changed the team about so much for the Slovakia game and try to get the... gone for the points in that one and ensured it, you know, ensured the best. You could look at all these things in hindsight and say maybe we should have kept the same team because they had won and they were still in a high would they have got it you don't know it's just it's really difficult because come the, the third game against Israel they did look tired um, but still played well you know still played solid just yeah I think I saw earlier as well we touched a wee bit on last week the potential squad for the Euros I know it's very early on just now where we think that it's probably quite hard to get into that squad but Eddie McLean supposedly is out for four or six weeks and could be up to five months if he's having to get surgery on his knee. Picked up an injury, so... Who's that? John? Fine. Oh, is he? Yeah, I was reading earlier. Yeah, he's got... He's got a problem is... What is it? I did see earlier. His ACL, maybe? That's not so good. But yeah, he's definitely out for... Then it's six weeks, but yeah, you could have need to get surgery and it'd be like four or five months, which would leave it pretty tight in terms of trying to get games again in terms of getting into the squad. Yeah, that's a I bad mean, one. It's probably the toughest position to get back into because we've got so many good midfielders. You yeah. have players like maybe Billy Gilmore looking to get into the squad as well, um, Fergus and Aberdeen and the, the like. So it could be tough for them to get back into that squad if they, they get a chance and prove themselves. Yeah, and he's one that we mentioned last week might end up struggling anyway because he's not been playing as much for Norwich this season. Yeah, so if that was the still I've seen, happen, I've seen yeah. Norwich fans kind of saying when he does play that he probably shouldn't, so it's a tough one. But wait and see. Um, the, the other thing as well is 
terms of going into the Premiership, still talking about Kevin Nesbitt, whether Kevin Nesbitt will end up breaking in, maybe at the Spencer Shankland, but we'll see. We talk about it. Um, talking of Scotland, and we'll keep it on Scotland just now, the under 21 situation, the whole COVID thing, and 11 players having to self isolate. It's now affected the women's team as well. What do you both make of all that situation? It's just showing the risks in international football. We, I think we touched on that last week. Um, you know, it's, we all want the games to go ahead, but it does seem to be, that's when people, the COVID outbreaks seem to be happening, which is coming back and then affecting club football. And then obviously, uh, Shelly Kerr's having to self-isolate now, which is affecting her, not being able to, you know, be pitch side uh, the women's game. So, it's a really tricky one. You know, we're trying to get not trying to get football and life going ahead as normal, but then you know the COVID thing isn't going away, and it's and I feel sorry for clubs after the international breaks that the ones who are affected. Yeah, Stephen Robinson and Derek McInnes were particularly outspoken about the whole situation anyway, which you can understand yeah. in terms of having to miss players. But... Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a tricky one. I don't know the answer if you know. International football should you know should it all be having a break or not? But you know I'd, I'm not quite sure how many other teams have been affected by this. But you just need to look at the Czech Republic and the game that we played against them, the difficulties they had, and you think, well, that's it's not making it really uh, even playing field when these things happen. Yeah, well, Norway as well, and Israel, who we faced, have had a few problems with it. So yeah, and then we we suffered ourselves when we had players out last month. Yeah, so. It's a kind of tricky one. I'm kind of part of me, obviously, is really enjoying international football. Big Scotland fan, love it. And then the other part is it's affecting club football. And you're wondering, well, yes, if you're saying the protocols are definitely taken. So I don't know. I don't know what's happened. I don't know what's happened to Shelley Kerr. I think it was background, background staff she came into contact with or something like that. She's having to isolate. Just saw a statement earlier on today. So that was the first I'd heard about it just a couple of hours ago. I think it's addressing to the SFA investigate the SFA and have they already decided that they're not to blame, which, you know, you'd, if you, if I was a football club, uh, Kilmarnock or Halton or something, I'd be like, well, that doesn't sound right compared to what they've been investigating us for uh, and it's taken a wee bit of time for them to get uh, an investigation process finished. Um, for the, the women's team... The best thing in the sense of Shelley Kerr not being there is that if she's a really good coach and a good manager, then she doesn't need to be in the touchline. I always feel that sometimes that proves who the better coaches and managers are, that they could still set out a team that don't rely on the managers being there, um, guiding them through. Um, but yeah, as Ian already said, you know, it, it, it Kind of again talks about the we were again talking about the need for international football and it does put a bit more jeopardy into the club game. The only other thing I'll say um, in terms of uh, Robinson and McInnes is with those players going on international duty, it actually probably raises their profile and possibly the the price of those players. So I, I would be a bit more reluctant to to totally. Um, but I, I, I understand why they would want answers to protocols and stuff. Yeah. What was the big thing will be in terms of the preparation for the game? 
because it's maybe all right the game itself, not having it on the sidelines, but that's the preparation. Then it's a few days wanting to do things, but I'm pretty sure they can stream stuff, do stuff over video and stuff like that. She can still watch and have her input as well with technology we've got these days. And she has to trust her backroom staff um, to, to be there and be her eyes and ears and mouth. Yeah, they've got a couple of big games though, because Friday they go to Lisbon, play Portugal. Uh, and then they've got the return fixture against Finland. They lost last month um, in Finland 1 0. So, aye, big games. Um, they need to, I would say, probably at least make sure they get at least four points, I would think. Um, and then they've got a couple of rearranged pictures from when the games were postponed earlier in I think, September. I think they're getting played in February. So, fingers crossed everything goes well. And we can talk about the women going to the Euros as well in the back of the, the World Cup as well. Well, they. The thing is, they should be doing it for their manager. That's the that's the way I would be hammering home the point. Let's do it for the manager. So, hopefully, they can get. And listen, we've been more consistent and with results from the women's side of things. So, hopefully, that continues. Yeah, definitely. And if you think about the women's game, um, it gave the country a big lift. I mean, they had eighteen thousand at that game at Hamden. Uh, it was a friendly against Jamaica just before the yeah. the World Cup. Yeah. You know, and that was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, it did give the country a big lift where the, the men's team was doing so bad at the time. So, and then, you know, if we could, if the women's team could qualify again and then, well, I know the under-21s came close, you know, they just missed out. But, you know, it gives the whole country a lift, definitely. And that's why international football can, you know, it has obviously got its place, but it can cross all barriers, club barriers, and give the whole nation a lift. Yeah, I think we're under 21, as much as we're qualified, I think we can see progress in terms of players probably being on the fringes now of the, the main side. Yeah. So that's the big thing. It's a bonus if the, the youth teams do well, but the main yeah. thing is for them to do get progression into the senior ranks and hopefully do well and have a long career at that level. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's looking pretty good um, all round, really. Um, talking about looking pretty good. Dundee United. As we said, Tory's not here to talk about them, but good win in the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, well, listen, I've always backed Dundee United and Mickey Mellon this season uh, against Tony. Um, I think it's a a strange one because if you give me a choice between Mark McNulty... Um, Nicky Clark and Lawrence Shankland I'd probably pick Shankland first every time but at the moment he can't get a look in because the other two have been so dangerous um, and Nicky Clark uh, as I've said in previous podcasts is always good for a goal got his brace um, you know he's very smart for the first goal Um, just you know he waited for that chance, you know. He, he sometimes players get drawn into the box, drawn into the six-yard box, but he actually you see him waiting because he knows he's got the space. It cut back, finds him, and he's got all the time in the world to find the back of the net. Um, so, you know, I, it was against Halton. Halton are struggling. They actually did well with their goal. Um, I really liked Halton's goal, but. Everything else just doesn't seem to be falling into place for Hamilton. And 
that's the thing I said I've, I've always said about Dundee United is that they'll pick up points and they'll get goal there is goals in that team and that's as we've already discussed a big thing in this league is finding people who will put the ball in the back of the net yeah, and it shows the strength that they've got when they can leave Shanklin on the bench and the two strikers you mentioned Clark and McNulty Clark in particular I think has maybe had a point to be with this season because previously when he went up through the leagues with Rangers yeah. He didn't get a chance at top level, and you can see I think there's maybe a wee bit of hunger there for him. McNulty, we know, is a good player from the spells of Hibs on loan. Um, he's good, and he's maybe at the stage of bail whereby he needs to think about what his next move is. He's on loan, isn't he, still? Yeah, from Reading, loan yeah. Move, So that's me like three loan spells he's had there from Reading. So nice option to have. The only thing I wonder about Shankland is whether he's someone that just maybe struggles to get back to fitness because he obviously had his injury problems at the start of the season. Maybe the type of guy that needs to be playing regularly to get his fitness levels back. Yeah, as opposed to just training. He came on as a sub, didn't he? As I was, tra- I was yeah. Came on, yeah. I was listening on the radio at the time. Was just, yeah, so because it's not like he featured much for Scotland. I've seen folks say, "Oh, he might not play because he was away with Scotland." And I know there's the journeys and all different things like that, but it's not as if he really featured apart from a wee bit. He came on against uh, Slovakia, didn't he? Yeah, but. But it's hard to if you've got a, a duo who are doing well together and who are linking up well, and I think that's part of it. And Shankland is still unproven in top flight. I'm sure he will get goals, but maybe Dundee United under Mickey Mellon just don't suit his... You know, again, in the championship where you're the, the bigger team, more often than not, you'll then have a, a central striker that you can go through every single time. And in the the Premiership when you're no longer the big fish then sometimes you have to play a bit more kind of cute and a bit wise and you know come from deep and maybe that doesn't suit Shankland I suppose as well what might not have helped is fact he is away he's had more time with Metanilty and Clark to kind of try and get a partnership going yeah so there is that as well at the back I think as well I still think Dundee United just at the back sometimes it's kind of individual errors I think Reynolds was quite slack with but their goal could have done better. They they, they go through they go through spells. Uh, they were really good against Celtic at the back, and then there's been other times where they've just shot themselves the foot defensively. Um, it just depends which um, Dundee United turn up. Um, but you know, that's you know that's them fifth in the league, um, and that's five without a loss in the league as well. So. You know, you can't really moan at that too much. Although I'm sure Tony would try. Uh, do you think you can chase down Hibs for fourth? Or even have higher aspirations? No. I, I, I think I wouldn't, that wouldn't be my aim if I was Dundee United. My aim would be to kind of just keep keep your head above water and try and keep on picking up results and don't actually look at the league table as, as much. Yeah, I think they've done brilliant. Um, they've definitely not looked out of place anyway. You know, and they ran away with the league uh, year, so yeah, they're keeping the momentum going. And then Hamilton, is this the season that Hamilton go down then? Uh, well, you always say to me not to, 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 to say that because they always manage to get their way out. I just don't see they've got the squad depth. Um, as I said, their, their goal was really good. Um, McCallaghan but then he followed up with the one, one of the worst penalties I've ever seen Roberto Baggio-esque um, 
and there's just very little confidence there, and I can't see it turning around significantly enough. They're uh, is it four points behind now with St Mirren got a game in hand. Uh, you know they, they took an absolute hide off Rangers. They then struggled against. Uh, you know they took the lead against the United, then couldn't keep it, and then they lose the game. You know confidence just must be shot. Uh, it's not looking good for them, that's for sure. And some more are sitting just above them, but they've got a game in hand, so it could be kind of isolated down the bottom there. Yeah, St. Mirren all picked up a good one at the weekend. Yeah, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't my favourite game of the weekend, that, that one uh, with Livingston. But the main thing for St. Mirren is they, they stopped the rot. You know, they've, I think they've probably had the toughest time of it with the COVID situation. Um, with games getting cancelled and players getting picking up the the, the virus, um, but they've still looked pretty decent and quite compact um, in the games that they've played. And funnily enough, they weren't. I, I think Liverpool were probably the better team, but St Mirren managed to get a goal, hold on to a clean sheet. Um, I like their young midfield. They've got a, a full midfield five or quite young, twenty-five or under. Um, so I don't think I don't think they're maybe going to have a, an, an exciting season that's going to challenge the top six, but I think they're going to get enough pick up enough points that are probably going to keep them clear of Hamilton. Don't tell Tony for Pat Fitzpatrick that. It's I know it's his dream, uh, and I, I love Tony. I've met Tony, and he's a, a great guy. I just don't see it this season. I think problems at Lovey as well in terms of just. Uh, he's now called Jet. He's not called Jay Emmanuel Thomas. I like the the back the back of the top, and that's a good market employ. Jay, I like him on the back. He needs to get a goal. Yeah, and the, the chances that are missing aren't aren't great. It's it's, um, it's again talked about confidence in, in Halton, and it's the same for Emmanuel Thomas. There's no there's no confidence um, that he's going to score because his chances that he's putting wide are ones that you should be putting on target at least never mind you know you should be probably scoring from yeah uh, Ian what did you make of the comments from Cole after the game about he was maybe going to assess whether he was good enough to keep marriage in Livingston that's a you know that's a strange one to say out it's a strange strange one to put out there isn't it you're putting yourself under a lot of pressure saying these kind of things and opening up the debate um, yeah it's a tricky one I don't know don't is know he... what thinking about is he trying to get more from the players? Is he trying to get a, a reaction from the board to back him? Is he trying to kind of keep him kind of happy? It, it is a strange thing. To, or is it just you look at that game, you think you're probably the better team, you can't find a goal, you've struggled in front of goal, and it's just, you know, passion gets the better of you and you just say something maybe a wee bit reckless afterwards that you probably regret the night. When, the he, night said it, uh, when he said it, I had a sense of deja vu. Did he not do something similar last season at one point? Or am I getting him confused with someone else? I, I can't remember him saying it like that, but that's not to say he didn't. Um, I can't remember much from last season now, to be honest. Yeah, I, can't, I, can't remember, I can't remember how last season finished, for instance. <laughs> Well, did it finish? <laughs> so, um, uh, 
Yeah, but you don't know if the managers are saying that for effect, or you know, you don't know. I uh, no, remember Neil Lennon came out with something along the lines of the players are not going to play; they can just get sold. We'll just sell them if people don't want to play for the club. But you don't know if they're saying that to try and give them a kick up the backside or get support behind it. You just don't know, or is it just pure emotion? And you're thinking you're scun up with it all. So yeah, he's just... usually someone that's pretty honest after games anyway. I think, but it's maybe just being he's just. I annoyed with the result, frustrated, and I I think trying to get a reaction. I don't think he would he would move on. Might be wrong, but I think especially after the season they had last season, they did as well. Even the last. I, th- I think it would be too it would be too harsh on himself to to do that as well because they've not actually played badly. They've they've struggled they've struggled to find goals, which again you can name probably four or five teams with the same problem. Um, you know, the Anthony Stokes thing, you've lost your best player in Lyndon Dykes, uh, but you're still doing okay, you know, you're, you're no home. Aye, it's the home form, though, I think it's a big thing. I know there's no fans there and maybe the impact there, but they've now had five losses at home, in the league, which, yeah, but... against what they had last year, and it was only was it one last year, maybe two, Um you're still, you're still punching above your weight. You know, you look at the budget, you look at players that have sold. You're you're trying to recreate that. It's never going to quite happen. Um, I, I just think he's been probably a bit too harsh on himself, to be honest. Do we think Hulk should have seen red for the tackle? Light on. I, I can't remember that tackle. To be honest. Oh, Ian, do you remember it? I didn't see that, so you obviously think he sh- should have, John. No, I was just posing a question whether it should have been. It was. What's, what's your answer? Well, yeah, I think probably it's a red. So what happened? It's been late on. I think it was Ian left back. So oh, do I remember the? Um. Yeah, the kind of tore away down the left. Like back in the nineties, it was a good tackle, even though he maybe never got the ball. But nowadays, it's, it's it's probably a red. The fact that I can't remember it means I think it probably wasn't a red. But that's not this. I mean, I I, I grew up in the nineties, so maybe it's just because I'm. Aye, and you did say earlier as well. This wasn't the greatest of games as well. Yes, yeah, so, well, yeah. So maybe uh, your attentions wavered a wee bit. Yeah. Talking about guys that maybe looking for reaction as well. The other place down near the bottom, Ross County, Kettlewell. Kilmarnock down to 10 men Kilmarnock after 8 minutes first of all correct decision there I don't think it was I think he gets a touch on the ball first I <laughs> the man gets taken out but I think slightly harsh there's a there's a thing that is creeping into a few of these defences and that's not clearing when they should be clearing it don't let the ball bounce and clear it I know it's maybe an old fashioned thing to say but these defences aren't good enough to control and pass and you know or, or play it back to the goalkeeper. We've seen it. So I saw it at least three times um, this weekend where, play, where teams have been caught out because they've just not cleared it properly. Um, so he's put himself under pressure. Um, he's he's let the ball bounce. Then he's let um, Stewart get goal side of him. And yeah, he's got a slight touch. But then he's brought the player down as well. And I think that's maybe where the problem is. He's got a slight touch of the ball. 
And I don't think that's enough that's going to take it away from Stuart. And I think that's maybe what's made the, the red card situation because Stuart might have collected that ball one-on-one uh, -on -one with the goalkeeper. That slight touch. I don't know if that's going straight into the goalkeeper's hand, uh, back into the goalkeeper's feet. If Stuart's still on his feet as well. Uh, there's a few variables anyway yeah. with the decision. It's not a, a completely clear-cut one. No, it, 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 it's, a, it's a harsh one, especially when you consider the, the time of it. And, um, but if if you go on the last man, you go on the fact that it wasn't a, it wasn't in control of that touch, it, possibly. Um, but it, it wasn't being uh, reckless and or, or dangerous or anything. It's just probably timing more than anything else has cost them. I think he kept his foot in there, though, didn't he? He followed on, he followed on his left foot to bring him down. Um, well, that, that, is, that is the problem, I think, Ian. I think it, it has brought the player down. I think his touch yeah. on the ball wasn't enough that's going to take it away from Stuart, apart from the fact he's then brought him down, which makes it, you know, that he has taken Stuart out of the game. Yeah. So it's pretty hard, I think, if you're trying to tackle someone and sometimes not to connect with a man. It does, it does again beg the question if you, of whether but, you can tackle in football. Now, I think a lot of tackles that previously would have gone unpunished now, you're like, but if you, if you to tackle. But if you tackle and you win the ball and you, or, you, or you connect properly with the ball, and it wasn't a tackle really, it was more a, a trying to be a pass back and he's been caught out, um, you have to deal with the ball first. And I don't think he's totally dealt with the ball. He's touched the ball, but has he totally dealt with it? Is he, is he, is he really put himself and his team back in possession properly? Uh, that's my, my only concern with it. I thought he touched the ball and then lifted his foot on when he didn't think he'd got a big enough touch on it. I think so. so yep. Yeah, I think he'd be down. But I still think it's kind of harsh right at the beginning of the game. You're down to 10 men. You know, you've got to play the rule of football. And you're saying it's almost like a non-contact sport now, football. You know, these tackles used to go flying in. <laughs> so, albeit well done for Kelly for not letting that, you know, put them off the stride and getting a result. Aye. Someone that impressed me, hadn't really seen much of him so far this season, partly maybe because of COVID. I think he, had, he missed a wee bit of football with Pinnock. Yeah, Pinnock was very good. His cross in the box. His, for Brophy's goal was fantastic. I like the fact that uh, Dyer played Brophy and Kabamba up front with We've asked for that um, at the start of the season, um, but Pinnock's deliveries were, were, were spot on. Yeah, delivery as well for Broadfoot. Chance as well, that just went by the post. Yeah. Which was decent. But yeah, but Brophy and Kabamba is definitely the way to go for them, I think. Especially as well, what power's out just now. So you want to get through in midfield. But that's the thing with McNulty and with Brophy as well, is they've now got that kind of carrot of the Euros being a possibility again. And they can maybe force a, if anybody's going to force their way into the squad, it could be a striker. So, you know, they have to then do well for their clubs, and that can only benefit the clubs. Aye, and Dyer touched on that himself, uh, Brophy. Um, there's massive incentive to do well. But I really, I really like Buck's goal as well. You know, I think you look at Chris Buck, you try to say, don't, put, don't let him on his right, don't let him on his right. But, you know, that was fantastic. He got himself back on his right and then just lashed it home. Um, Ross County really worried about Ross County now. Um, you know they, they they can't get themselves out of that rut. Um, they're not creating enough clear cut chances. 
Um, Stephen Kelly, I thought was impressive uh, with his again with his deliveries as well. The defence is too slow. You know they they let people turn them. They they let wingers get further up the field than they should before they start kind of pressing at them. You know Ross County are one that really have to try and stop that. Um, and you know goal wise, they they're struggling for goals. I know they scored them weekend, but they have to be a bit concerned that they're dropping like a stone. Yeah, I was trying to think back and look at the predictions we had at the start of the season. I think I had Ross County to go down, but I just got at the moment as well. I can't see me changing that. To lose 3-1 against 10 men for so long and not really offer much in attack going forward. And they got everything they deserved. Apparently there's 17 shots and only two on target. <laughs> so a bit of target practice needing. Aye. I always find these stats interesting as well because you're wondering as well how many shots were even close and shots on target yeah, exactly. might not even be a, a decent save. I, I can't really think of any. Decent, maybe I think there was a chance there was Stuart one. was doing goal. I think Rogers made a really good save at one point. Um, Stuart yeah. as well. He, he got a connection and maybe a wee bit light. outstretched straight, a wee bit for it. Um, but if we're struggling to even come up with those chances then, you know, that's yes, obviously where the problem is. Do you think it was a clear penalty? The one that they got? Oh. For Doro to run Pinnock? Um, I'm trying to remember it again. I've not, not written down for it. You have to refresh. I sent that script. <laughs> So what was, what I'm was supposed the, to ask the questions and you're supposed to answer this, is it? Uh, I thought we were all, all in it together. So what happened <laughs> to the penalty? I, well, I think it was slightly soft. It was, again, maybe just contact, whether there was a ball was contacted first and in the man and different things like that. So maybe slightly, maybe slightly harsh. But overall, come on, it deserved to win anyway, so. Uh, bye yeah. bye. Uh, the other games on Saturday, so the big one was Hibs versus Celtic. And Celtic will struggle again. It's a funny one because they dominated the first half, certainly when it came to chances and stuff. But with again, without making clear cut chances. And, and I, I, know, I know, I can see the reason why they kept the same team. But then again, I'm always thinking you always start with your best striker, especially if he did well in the international front, which he did do. So why they did start with Edward from the, the get-go, I, you know, I don't get it. I know, as they say, they, they thrashed Motherwell, but I think that was a, a bit deceptive. Um, I did, you know, say that at the time. Um, but, you know, I, I'll bring up this stat, John, that, you know, I've said to you before, they're losing far too much in the air. They lost 19 aerial duels and they won nine. And, you know, that in itself tells you where the problems are and that teams aren't scared of putting in a cross or a ball into the Celtic team. I think that's been the case for a couple of seasons. Even last season as well, I thought, if you get crosses into the box against them, and that was even with Julian in there, I just think they, they cannot cope with it at all. But the problem as well, they've got not just that, they can't stop crosses getting into the box just now. But I think I think the, the difference between this season and last season for crosses and things, 
is that Foster would have been better at dominating his box. So he would cut some of that off himself, whereas Bain um, and Barkas can't, and that puts even more pressure because you're actually probably finding that the backline feel they have to win the header is in some occasions, and they're just not up to that. Um, I think Beaton's still not the right solution for centre-back. Um, not Definitely, no. I think he can maybe get away with it in a three. In a three, in a yeah. If, you're, if, you're, if you want somebody to be kind of ball playing, but then you still get higher there anyway. So I, I, I wouldn't actually have him in a three. It, it, you know, if I've got higher already in there, it's, you know, I think the, the one thing I'll say for, for Rangers in this game is that the loan, the way that Rangers have loaned their players and not sold them, is really reaping rewards uh, with Jamie Murphy scoring that rebound from the penalty. First goal uh, for him. And again, but the thing about that penalty that I spotted, and I, I know a few pundits pointed it out, but the, the full back line on that left-hand side, nobody ran. Nobody followed in once they'd... As if they'd already thought that Nisbet was going to score. The Celtic defenders, they didn't chase it down once the penalty was saved. And yeah. that's criminal. And you've given Murphy all, all, all the, the time that he needed to, to then put away the, the rebound. Um, and the penalty, listen, that, that one I do remember, Brown was absolutely, you know, for, for a veteran to, to get caught into that position and to, to allow himself to be that reckless um, is really ridiculous. And again, it kind of shows that it's a kind of... Um, a bit of a free-for-all at Celtic. There's no kind of um, direction, uh, I don't think. That wouldn't have happened last season, I don't think. No, uh, certainly wouldn't have happened under Rodgers. Um, so, and, you know, people will look at it and go, oh, well, they, they came back in the last 10 minutes and 15 minutes and that's the scene of champions, but it's not. The scene of champions is winning in the last minute, not getting a draw in the last minute. That's think, actually going in the reverse. Aye, it's maybe not even so that. I think if they hadn't been having the the, the struggle with a form, it's a, maybe a decent result. But the fact that this isn't a, a first, it happened against Aberdeen a couple of times whereby they had to come back. You don't the see moment, them at the moment putting the together a, a string of wins. Which yeah. last season when they did struggle and they lost the game against Rangers, they went on a good run. You, you just cannot see that happening just now. Yeah, they went, went a good run, and also, as you're saying, when they got these late winners and things like that, you're kind of feeling there's momentum going with the, the team and the squad, and there's absolutely none just now. And they're so far behind Rangers that you know they should have been coming right out there having a go at Hibs, and it was the other way around. Um, and definitely that penalty for Scott Brown, a man of his experience, to be away over that side of the box and give away a penalty, you know, in such a crazy area, it was just spiral kind of thing. So. It's not looking good at the moment. Do we think Hibs should have had another penalty for the IR handball, the slide in Hibs' hand? Or... No, I think that would have been a bit harsh, to be honest. That's fair. The, the thing is, going to the, sec- the, uh, the second Hibs goal was fantastic from Hibs, but terrible from Celtic. Again, it's, it's the heading situation. Frimpong doesn't even jump. Gives a free header to Jamie Murphy, who flicks it on, and then uh, Nisbet's kept it low, hits it early, and Ben's got no chance. Being at fault, maybe there as well, I think. 
You think Bane's at fault for the second goal? No, beaten. 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 <laughs> Beat on. No. You're talking as if it's the referee. I was wondering. I thought you were a Celtic fan there. I would have got the... <laughs> but no, um, yeah, uh, yeah it, it's... You've any opposition that they've got a decent strike force are going to look at that and think they can get goals against Celtic. Yeah, I mean, Forster did bail them out, you know, last year, especially in the League Cup final. You know, obviously that one stands out, and so many times you're so solid in defence, but the defence has looked dodgy for a while. It really has, and when the team's not performing. You know, they're looking really clumsy, clumsy in defence. It's funny because I see Celtic fans kind of having a go at Christie for hitting shots from various ranges. But one, he was hitting them on target. Marcia had a couple of good saves. And two, if nobody's making runs, if nobody's getting themselves into good positions, then players attacking midfielders will then decide to shoot because they don't feel as if anything else is happening. He's at least trying to make something happen. And You've got to wonder if he if if a player starts hitting a load of shots from distance, they're either Charlie Adam or there's a reason that they're having to do that because nobody's actually making the runs. So don't I wouldn't have a go at the player hitting the shots. I would be having a, a look at thinking, well, Ajeti's not making those runs, or you know, Elois is not coming in and making a, a run out and off the wing. It's Sometimes I think they look at the wrong, pro- you know, they're looking at the the people that are probably the least problematic people in, in, in the team. Your other situation is folk are crying out for four at the back. That's not working either. So what do they do next? Do they revert yeah. back to the 3 5 2 but put Griffiths and Edward up front? It works so well at the end of the season. But the thing is, no can work. It doesn't really do revert to. But the problem that's what you that- know. But that doesn't solve the that doesn't automatically solve the defensive problem, uh, and I don't know if there is a, a proper you know unless you go with Ayer and Julian. It might help though because Griffiths is a bit more likely to press the defenders, but I don't think Ajeti or Elusi has got that in their game. So if you talk about the press leading from the front and defending from the front, from defending from a point, yeah, from def- defending from the front, that does make a, that could make a big difference. But if they still bypass that and go high, then Duffy doesn't seem to be, you know, integrated enough in the team. Let's put it that way. Um, let's give him his credit as a, a Premier League footballer who did do well at uh, Brighton, although under totally different circumstances. Um, and you know, Beaton, I don't think is the the way forward. So you've got to try and get Julian back and have him in Ayer. But even Ayer's not had that great a season, um, so it's it's a, it's a difficult one. I suppose the other option as well, and we've said this before, but I don't know Lennon really used it as a whammy at centre-back, whether it's in a two or a three. Yeah. I, I don't know if he, I would have him in a two, maybe in a three, but I don't know if I'd have him in a two. And then after the game, there was a fair bit of speculation online that Lennon was going earlier this week. I don't know whether you guys seen that, but talk of whether Strachan would go back in some sort of role. Eddie then, Howe's still being linked with a job, I think. But is this is this well, is this speculation coming from journalists wanting to sell papers 
and hopeful Celtic fans that weren't rid of Neil Lennon more. And it could than, be like in the dressing room. <laughs> I think I think it's more hope than anything from certain um, sectors. I, I, I don't see the, why they would clamour for striking, given um, what striking's not really done anything since Scotland. Um, before Scotland, he wasn't. You know, after Celtic wasn't didn't really do much at Middlesbrough. Um, Would they bring so, back O'Neill? Back in and a similar type of thing to what Rangers had, Bismarck. Well, see, people see. So people bring this up as well. O'Neill and Roy Keane—that's the dream team. That's what's coming in, and they've, they've already spoken and all the rest of it. Would Neil Lennon? Would Would Martin O'Neill replace Neil Lennon like that? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't, I don't know. I do know. I don't think he would. I don't think he would do that to Neil Lennon. So, um, I, I, I don't think. And another thing is, is that the best that Celtic fans have got in that in their kind of hopes that they want to bring back a manager who's been there? You know, I suppose Rangers did it with Walter Smith to great effect, but the problem is who's available just now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, of a, support, of a stature that can get them back on track. I know, I think that's what people are forgetting. They're just shouting away about um, Lennon and he's not producing the goods and he should go. But you're gonna, if you're losing your manager, you know, during the season, that could cause all sorts of turmoil. You know, and you know, he produced the goods last year. You know, he did it last year. It's just not happening at the moment, but that doesn't mean that it can't happen again. You know, it is tricky because he's, you know, the confidence is obviously going to go down and the supporters are on his back. But it's a really tricky one because would you bring in Martin O'Neill? Would you bring in Gordon Strachan? You know, it's a really tricky one bringing into a squad of players that Lennon knows. I mean, as a Celtic fan, Ian, who would, if you were someone that you could get to come in, that's a realistic target. I've always liked Gordon Strachan. But he's been out of the game for a wee while now yeah. as well. Um but I've always really liked him, and um, oh, Mark Neal was fantastic when he was here as well. Um, it's a kind of tricky one. I've been kind of always wanting uh, Lennon to stay and turn the results around. But I just don't know if there's something happening, in, you know, with the players for some reason they're just not performing. I mean, yeah. are people fed up and wanting out the door? Has he less? You know, he's not. You know, he's saying he hasn't lost the dressing room. It's all rumours, and he spoke out a few weeks ago. Something just not happening with the, the team at the moment. They're looking a bit joined. Yeah, it's probably as well been partly due to the high standards that have been set. Because we're talking about yeah. Celtic doing so badly, they still only have lost one game in the league. Exactly. And it's more the performances, really, that people are getting. Obviously, yeah. this is a really important year, and Rangers are like, they're on fire, you know, so that's putting piling the pressure on Celtic. Um, you know, maybe any other season, they have a bit more give and take with it all. But because Rangers have just really performed in Europe as well, you know, uh, they've been really, really, really good. So maybe, maybe that's it as well. And the thing is, if Neil Lennon has lost that dressing room with the, the culture of the players and all the rest of it, one, I kind of think Neil Lennon may be partly to blame because he kept on throwing them under the bus every time a poor performance came in. But is Gordon Strachan or Martin O'Neill equipped to deal with that kind of dressing room? Look at what happened to Martin O'Neill at Nottingham Forest with, with Roy Keane. I don't think they would last in the dressing room if we were like that under those guys, though. That's the thing. 
No, but see, this is the problem. Look, look at what happened to Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane at Nottingham Forest. That's exactly what the problem was. They couldn't handle that model and dressing room. They, they tried their, their kind of way that they used to work and the players just totally went against it. They, they reeled against it because they're not used to that management style anymore. And, you know, if, if that could happen again. And that's why you've got to be a bit wary sometimes of... Because Walter Smith... For all that Walter Smith came back and did this, it, it was to- his management structure was totally different the second time around than it was the first time around. He had younger coaches. He let them do a lot more than he did the first time around. He was the coach the first time around. He also had uh, Ali McCoy there as well, like the Joker. And well, that's what I'm saying. So he had something. So he had a different way of doing it the second time around. And that's what you know, kind of people sometimes overlook. And he'd still worked, you know, he a couple of years before he was still in the Scotland job as he went into the, the Rangers job and he worked at Manchester United, one of the big, probably the biggest club at the time, and worked uh, well within that setup. So, uh, you know, Gordon Strachan's at Dundee's as kind of sporting director. Martin O'Neill was really, I think, um, couldn't handle that Nottingham Forest dressing room and that's what kind of failed him and Roy Keane. Roy Keane going in there into that Celtic dressing room won't get a natural Roy Keane reaction that he would have got as a player and that's, you know, maybe these Celtic players, that's not what they need because I'm sure Neil Lennon's kicking them up the ass. So do they want somebody else who's going to be even more strict? Yeah, the dressing room situation thing is interesting as well because surely if there was a complete loss of the dressing room, these players would be going to the board or something like that. Pretty sure that happens in football. You see it happen at other clubs, the likes of your Real Madrid, your Barcelona, whether it's maybe just not a British thing to complain about the manager, I'm, I'm not so sure, but we'll see what happens. We'll be having these probably these debates for the next few weeks if they don't get their act together anyway, but they are about 11 points behind now. Two games in hand. Yeah, yeah 11 points, two games. Um, so... Yeah, they need it in some kind of form. Whatever, whatever's going to work for them. Yeah, they're like even Saturday with St. John's and Motherwell. Looked like a fair result to me. Yeah, I think that was the kind of looking at the game. That was the fair result. Um, I think Motherwell missed Campbell um, with the coronavirus situation in midfield. Um, very nice composed finish from O'Hara. Didn't see much else of Motherwell, to be honest, after that. I didn't see them, you know, they should have probably started dominating the game from that position, and they didn't. Um, I think St Johnston will be happy, you know, that's four games without a loss in the the league, Um, two wins and two draws, if I'm correct. Um, Sad, Um, Murray Davidson's injured again. Um, He's a, a, a real kind of Good player that's just been mild with injuries, yeah. uh, unfortunately. Um, no doubt it's been a penalty. It's definitely a penalty. Yeah, and McGabby's done this a few times. He seems to just be getting caught out of a strange position. You know, Mays came in and is now in goal side and he's just kind of a wee bit clumsy, um, if anything. Um, so, yeah, definite penalty for that one. Uh, but the other one that kind of always catches my eye with St. Johnson's Craig Conway, always catches my eye with uh, 
he, he can always put in about two or three really good crosses and dictate games from uh, a, a kind of final third position for them. Um, but yeah, I think 1 1 was the fair result at the end of it. And then your other decision, maybe a big talking point in this game, hopefully you've seen it. Bryson, should he have been sent off? Uh, no, again, you need to remind me of whether that happened to Bryson. Kind of stamped on the keeper. <laughs> I know. I, I, just, I was just winding up with that one. Well. Uh, it's a, the first time I saw it, I thought it was just falling back. But then the second time I saw it, it was a bit closer. It does look as if he looks at him and he kind of has two goes at it. Um, I'd like to think they didn't. You know, I'd give the I'd give the player the kind of benefit of the doubt that he didn't. But if he didn't get set off, then I don't think he could have any complaints either. It, it, it did look kind of awkward and strange. Ian, I didn't see that. Then I just saw the goals. Um, that one, but it was definitely a penalty. But do you know what I mean, John? Did you see the kind of see we added in terms of it just? It's too. It's almost too kind of strange for it not to be kind of meant. Me, do you know what I mean? I, I kind of think. I think as a referee sees it and gives a yellow. So if it's a kick out like that, I would think he needs to see red. Yeah. So because the referee seen it, if the referee hadn't seen it, you could maybe say, "Right, okay, fair enough." But the referee seen it, I think he needs to give a red and not a yellow. Yeah, it's quite soft. It, I don't think I don't think it's a, like because there's, there's the keeper. Yeah, because there's only the keeper, two. But there is a kick out. There's only two ways to look at it. It's either accidental, then it's nothing, or it's just a, if it is something, yeah, then he has to get a red for it. Yeah. I, I, I just feel as if it was a kind of almost as if he, the first time he's kind of made, made it kind of mis- like, didn't mean it, and then he's kind of did it again as if he's meant it. But I don't know. It was a. It just, it just looked awkward, if, if anything else. Yeah. Um, so that was the games on Saturday, and there was no football on Sunday, which was interesting. Um, so we can just move on to the European pitchers that are coming up. But no, yeah, I was game on Sunday. Either. I was not expecting much, probably even before the whole situation with the COVID, because numerous injuries. McGinn came back injured from Scott, uh, Northern Ireland. We already had McClory out because of a loan deal anyway much as he tested anyway that obviously affected Ferguson McLennan who were already struggling in terms of what midfield we're going to put together so yeah I wasn't expecting much to be honest slightly slightly not slightly I'm more than uh, I'm still saying I was annoyed in terms of the manner we lost I felt we could have put in a bit of a better performance however Rangers just now tough to say are just a machine I think I think it's hard when your kind of most consistent and best midfield's out. It's then kind of hard to yeah, and, and then the guy that would replace him, McGeek as well. So that's what I'm saying. So your your midfield is kind of out the the picture, and I think that led to Aberdeen thinking we'll we'll defend a bit deeper. We would do that then, quite often against Rangers anyway. I think, but but the problem is when you do that and then. Kent scores from distance and it takes a bit of a deflection but you know when he scores that goal then you're like well what you're then caught in ten or two mines you can't then really defend too deep because you actually have to then take a wee bit of the game to Rangers and it but actually in. not bad in the first 20 minutes we did 
create a few wee chances here and there. Yeah, I think Hedges again was lively. Um, I think played too deep for my liking though. He was almost playing as a, a right wing back, even though he was actually supposed to be playing as. But that, that's what I'm saying. Your home midfield, home midfield played a bit deep. That's the, that's the thing. Um, that wouldn't even have had him there. I'd have had him in behind. Oh well, yes, so would I. I, I would have had him f- further forward. Um, but maybe think, personnel wouldn't the numbers. Yeah, I, I just think that that's you're just kind of playing to circumstance uh, slightly. Um, but as soon as Rangers took the lead, then that was it. They strolled the game after that. Their, their midfield and forward line and their wing-backs are just, at the moment, are on song. Their, their movement is fantastic. Their crosses are fantastic. Their um, finishing is clinical. The, you know, By the end of that game, it could have been 6-0 Rangers or could have been another Hamilton um, with some of the chances that they... Yeah, kind of they probably should have done a penalty. Should add an R penalty. No, I didn't see that. What happened there? <laughs> You're definitely at it now. Um, yeah, but it's funny. Like my notes earlier on as well. I'm going. I look like a much more assured team here, and then I since then kind of quickly collapsed after that. Defending as well for with school, simple ball over the top and goals and then behind Considine, and mm. then Greg Lee was he doing. He's just he's kind of not doing much. Okay, okay. He's doing. He's yeah. left foot in, left foot out again. It's just you need to go in hard at that position. Yeah, you, at that you've point, got, you've you, got, maybe yeah. that's giving away a penalty. Maybe that's what you think about. But I think you just go in, try and win yeah. the ball. But see, see if you're if you're in that if you're in that position as a footballer and you're thinking that way, you're gonna you, you know you're not gonna put your foot in too. You're going too hard in case you give away a penalty. Then you're not gonna win the ball. As far but as yeah. I'm concerned, you've already lost because. You're too. You're thinking too much about it. You've probably win the ball and then take the man out when it's a penalty anyway. So it doesn't matter. But yeah, as as Ibrox and Rangers, I've been known to get a few penalties. Um, yes, recently. and James Cavalier <laughs> actually has changed his surname to penalty. I wouldn't surprise. We've been quite lucky with Lewis Ferguson as well, getting so many penalties this season. But yeah. I've seen that uh, Considine was trying to have a wee boogie with uh, Balogun for that penalty. See, that was frustrating, right? Because we've seen other incidents whereby they don't, they're not given. I think Charlie McGrew touched on it himself. We had an incident against Celtic, which actually you again, I think, said you'd never seen. Similar oh, incident, but it was before the ball had been struck. No mention of it, no talk about it. So there's obviously a difference if the ball... And actually, had the, ball, had the corner been struck? I'm trying yeah. to think now. Yeah, had maybe trust. Um, aye, uh, uh, it's it probably know, a penalty. I think it's at the other end, but it, ha- it happens every all the time. But do you know the biggest problem is that I've got with that situation is that Considine didn't know where the referee was. See if Considine knows where the referee is, he does not get himself into that position. The referee's right behind him and in his shoulder, and the referee saw it all and he drags him back. See if you'd even if he'd have pushed him with his right hand just kind of slightly into his back, it would have been fine. But because he's pulled him on the left over the shoulder, referees right behind him, then you know that's 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 where he's made his biggest mistake. He has no idea where the referee is, and the referee's yeah. right there. Oh, um, a penalty. I just think if you need, I think they just there probably should be more penalties given for these types of things. Yeah, and I, I think that a, a lot of that is. But a lot of that is probably due to where the referee is, because the referee doesn't always see it. But if if 
but where the referee was was perfect for that situation. Yeah, but Rangers also had the position in terms of the game itself. They actually were in the forced position. They could then rest players as well. The likes of Jack that have been away with Scotland and things like that. So all in all, does that the, the, the clean sheet record still? Is, is that no? Is three that goal, five? Only three goals conceded in the league all season. Five, Fifteen games. Is that five clean sheets in a row as well? Some of that was eight at Ibrits from the start of the um, season. But just and the thing uh, is, Morelos isn't scoring, and you're only going to th- you've got to think that that's going to change at some point. So even if everything else kind of then goes a wee bit. Um, you know, certain Kent starts not scoring or Tavernier doesn't win. Kent had not been scoring after that. He'd actually gone what eleven games without a goal domestically. Right, Tavernier doesn't get um, a few anyway. penalties. Let's say <laughs> right. Morelos is still probably hit his rich vein of form. So you know, this is this, the biggest change in Rangers this season to any other in the last three or four years is Celtic have made a slip up. And Rangers have taken advantage of it, and that doesn't always happen. And that certainly yeah, yeah. hasn't happened in a while for Rangers. Um, and they just look supremely confident. It's um, and they have more strength and depth because they can bring in Roof, they can bring in Eaton, they can bring in Defoe, they can rest Morelos. Um, I'm actually I'll be a bit surprised that he started given these journeys with Colombia. You know, I know he didn't play much, but you know, just jetting around. Um, but, you know, it's a player, player to sell him in January. Yeah, that, that, that wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. Um, and I think a big thing with Rangers is they are actually, out of any team in this league, probably the more thankful to be playing with no fans at Ibrooks. Because I think sometimes what's happened um, under Gerrard's tenureship anyway is that Rangers fans get a bit anxious because they're thinking of nine in a row, eight in a row, whatever. Now, obviously, it's going to be ten in a row this season if Celtic win the league. And that kind of anxious energy promotes into the players. And they've not got that just now. They've just got their own football. And their yeah. concentration is then not hampered by maybe the fans getting on their backs or getting a bit worried after an hour if they haven't scored. Yeah, I know there's not much been no much football being played in twenty twenty, but that was Aberdeen's first loss in twenty twenty. Away from home. Yeah, and, and to be fair to Aberdeen, as you said, it, they were uphill from right from the get go because of the players missing. Um and you know, they they've got to just carry on as if, you know, that's just a one wee blip. Um they did it again after they, they lost their semi-final. They come back against Hibs and they've got to do that again. Um, and they did that the first time they lost the, season, uh, the first game of the season to Rangers. And they've got to go on a wee run now and kind of cement third place. Yeah, if the only issue now is that in terms of our midfield, which is going to be a problem anyway, we're still going to have that problem now because McCrory is the one that, by all accounts, tested positive, so he'll miss... At least the Hamilton game. I don't know if he'll miss the St Mirren game, but you'll still have Ferguson now. You'll still have McGee, so we're still going to have this makeshift midfield. However, you would hope against you, Hamilton, we should be all right. So if you if you become if you're positive, is it not just a week now that you can? Uh... I thought it was ten days, and then if you are in contact, fourteen, or if they reduced it. 
I always thought it was maybe a week uh, if you've got it, as long as you then produce a negative. I could be wrong. Maybe. We'll it has changed a few times that. But I'm not sure to be struggling. Even if McCrory's available, we're still without Ferguson and McGee. Right, missed as well from that groin strain. So we'll see. Only positive from yesterday, apart from Hedges' performance, was the young boy Duncan coming on, 16 years old. So we didn't have much choice but to put answers on the bench. But good for them. Get on, get a taste of first team football and, and see what it's all about. Boy, I suppose I get some good talent. Not one I'd heard of, I'll be honest, before yesterday. But aye. I'm sure McKinnis will be happy to see another Rangers win. Telling you, you'll not be invited back. Fair <laughs> story. Um, but yeah, European games coming up. Celtic must win Rangers against Benfica. I think Benfica struggling with folk been out with COVID. So yes, Rangers could be could maybe even go through. I think could they? Yeah, yeah. Rangers could go. Rangers could go through with a with a win. Um, I don't know. So I I I don't this. I don't like discounting a team as strong as Benfica, even if they've got wee issues here and there. You know, they've always got a good youth set up and stuff like that as well, and players coming into it. Um, you've so uh, you know, uh, but Rangers have been very good, at, especially at home in European ties. Celtic, even if they win, I don't think they can turn that group around. But um, they have to probably produce a performance just to keep keep Neil Lennon away from the kind of the rumour mill um, that's currently surrounding him. Yeah, hold your into the Sparta game. Expect much? Yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, it's just the way things are going now. I'm not expecting anything at all, really. <clears throat> I think a performance, a good performance, will probably mean more than anything else. You know what I mean? We've had it a couple of times getting a good performance then you think that's a bit that's going to turn the corner and give them a lift not expecting anything really from these games but uh, the Milan game not really but you know try and get the team a bit more solid really in defence sort out the defence and stop making it like a bomb scare defence and try and build on it from that you know into the into the domestic season um, and I think the Rangers it'll be very interesting to see how play against Benfica. How many players are out in Benfica? I didn't realize. Did you see there's some out with COVID just now? I'm not sure if it's that numbers. I think I've seen it the weekend maybe between five and seven possibly. Uh, right, so that's quite different things like that. How much? Yeah, happened? so that'll be interesting. Yeah, that will be interesting. But um, I've higher hopes for Rangers doing well than the Celtic games coming up. That's for sure. Unfortunately. <laughs> Aye, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I lots of football getting played, and then you put the the cup in the weekend, which we'll know really bother talking about. I think just now we'll wait till next week and talk about it once the games have been played. However, there was the lower league prediction game from last week, and well, basically shocking on it just now. Um, so we were two 0 up against Ali Graham. We are now losing three two. So we're Hamilton in this scenario. What's that? We're Hamilton in this scenario. Well, I don't even know if we're as good as that. Just now, our form is terrible anyway. That's that's one thing for sure. Um, so, to be fair to John, he did get two results correct in terms of a Broth and Morton drawing 
and Falkirk beating Cove Rangers. However, Ali came up trumps actually it was Ali's done this this time to come up trumps with a correct score and a correct score beats two correct results, so Ali gets points. So there you go. But uh so the weekend actually we don't have any real fixtures. No, the championship because of the cup. League one and two, we might need to take an extra game from there. Let me see. Yeah, I think that's what we need to maybe do. Take an extra game from League One to cover the fact that the championship doesn't have any games in the, the weekend. So, we're going to have Ian representing the podcast this week. So, Scott, do you want to pick the the games? Right, so, I'm picking two from League One. Ah, it was up to you. You could pick two from League Two if you want, but two from yeah. one and one from another. Yeah, okay, so. Two from the top, one from the bottom. <laughs> two from the top, then. Uh, East Faith Clyde and Peterhead 4-4. Right, so we're going through from there, right? Okay, good. Right, and we'll give you a bit of time to think. Yeah. So while he's so having a bit of time to think, what is the game that you are picking from League Two? League Two. I shall go with Albion Rovers versus Stirling Albion. Right, okay. You know, like that. Stirling Albion. Yeah, Albion again. again. Keep on saying still in Albion and they'll never get the results. Um, so, no pressure, Ian, but you need to get us back to 3 all, right? We're letting you, as a guest of the, the podcast, someone that's been a, a regular guest, get the pick. So, uh, no pressure, as I say. So, we'll start off East Fife against Clyde. What are your, what are your thoughts there? This is really annoying because I can't even see the league table. Um, the only thing, as I would say, I'm trying to see if I can still. You used to who scored. I usually always find quite good for predictions in terms of working out things like home form away form, but I can't actually find a like one form on there just now. Get on the the BBC a wee bit in terms of what's been happening. So who, who have we got? Yeah, East Fife are ninth and Clyde are eighth. Ian, right, right, okay. They're above four for right. So right. I'm going for East. I'm going for East five, two Clyde one. Right, okay. And then, so Peterhead seventh and four first tenth. Four first yeah. two two draws. Uh, last two games and Peterhead's lost the last two games. Peterhead's lost the last two games, but they're ahead. Uh, they're above. Oh, they won um, at the weekend. Peterhead did they not? Was that giving me the wrong information? Is it, I was going to say Peterhead 2 0 against Forfa. Peterhead 2 0 against Forfa, okay. Hey, Peterhead, so, that, so that's giving me the wrong side. Google's giving me it from, that, from left to right rather than from right yeah, to left. Yeah, yeah, blame Google. I, I know Peterhead being yeah. bottom one now. Here we can. And then the Rovers, Albion Rovers against Northern Albion. Albion Rovers on ninth, I think, second bottom. 
Right, we were still Albion or third. It's good to be an Albion winner. One 0 to the Albion. Still an Albion. One 0 to the Albion. Still an Albion. <laughs> just say one 0 to the Albion. Just say one 0 to the Albion. See how it goes. Double chance. One um, uh, to the Albion. Well, a draw to the Albion. Right, fair enough. So we got East Five against Pride Two One to East Five. Peterhead against Four for Two Now to Peterhead. Albion overs now. Stunt Albion won, so Ian is going to get the point for us this week. And we'll put the predictions out on Twitter, see what Ali's got, and listeners, whatever. If you want to join in, see if you can be the expert, and the expert is Ali Graham, not us, then tweet your scores as well. Just for fun. No other purpose apart from fun for uh, that one. So, see how we go. See, he knows the lower leagues a lot better than us because he's played for about 27 of the teams there. So, uh, aye. Anything else you want to discuss? Or have we managed to actually do a pretty quick podcast for a change this season? I think uh, it's been nice and compact. Everything's covered from what I can think of. We've done well, I think, just over an hour. So... Oh, mind you, it might not be. <laughs> oh, I well, I like to sometimes go to be tangent, and it's been a while since we have had a bit of wrestling chat. We used to always have a wee bit of random wrestling chat at one point. Wrestling chat. Undertaker has retired. That's him finished. Put Survivor Series thirty years on. That's him. Retirement speech. Paul Bearer hologram, and all sorts. And that was him. I never seen it live or anything like that. So I don't watch it anymore. But yeah. That's uh, I think protested too much. Uh, from your childhood? You must be, you're about the same age as me. You must remember him from your childhood. No, I remember him being in my childhood. Uh, is he retired, though? Well, who knows? It depends. Is it just... Is it just... Is it just... Is it just... The paper you know, news. That character's retired, but then he comes back as his kind of motorcycle character. Oh, see, aye. Uh, who's, uh, who's protesting now, uh, eh? It's better. It's better. I wasn't protesting at all. I'm just saying you're protesting. Uh, no, I think I think I think he has probably, but no, I'll, I'll I remember him actually making his debut. I remember the whole kind of build up to it and kind of being a bit scared of him. He was my mum's favourite wrestler. Um, not that I think she never ever took real much notice of it, but she just liked the. What do you say? Your mum's favourite wrestler? Aye. Uh, Surely most like are they older. Generation, their favourite wrestler was like Big Daddy or Giant Ace. That it's not the American stuff, is it? Well, Saturday afternoon, lunchtime. Well, let, let's put it this way: my mum uh, was early twenties when she had me, so she's no. She, I mean, she's no like old older woman that would watch the kind of world of wrestling stuff. Was that too early? Aye, right. uh, well, that's so no, wait a minute. Still, you would have the world of wrestling on Saturday, would you not? If you're having wins at that early age, you're not watching World of Wrestling at the same time, are you? Well, but you don't watch it as a child. World of Wrestling? Aye. Were you watching no, it your Grannies? No, I was watching WWF. You're maybe a bit younger than me. 84 I was born. Oh, aye, aye, fair enough, you are younger than me. I'm pretty sure there was still... No, maybe not, was it the 80s that... You you watch the World of Wrestling in the eighties on TV, Ian. You too old for that. Watched, a... Is it? It must have been the seventies. I watched it. Who's it? Big Daddy. Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Aye. 
That's the last, last one of this one. Saturday yeah. afternoon. My grand, my grand from she's from Blackpool, and she said to she said to me that she used to go with the wrestling on a Saturday night, and they would all, all her and her wee pals would uh, get all the rotten fruit from the fruit and veg stalls, and we just spend <laughs> spend the whole night just throwing launching dirty tomatoes at the wrestlers. So, uh, but no, I, I loved it. I loved the wrestling when I was a kid. So yeah, and I remember the Undertaker's debut very well. Um, so it is a big part of my childhood. Um, I feel I'll, better that Ian remembers likes of Haystacks and Big Daddy and all that type of thing. I know, I know of Giant Haystacks. I know of Big Daddy. Uh, I know of yeah. the, the kind of that generation. I just Pat Roach. That. Pat Roach. It was on Off Weeders End Pet. Remember? As well. Dynamite Kid. <laughs> At least it was real when Brian Haystacks and that was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what you There's thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, it always brings out a laugh when we talk about the rest anyway. So, aye, done the job anyway, and ended a positive. Yeah. So, cheers again, Ian. Thanks for coming back on. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, Enjoyed we need to not leave it to, to like till March, do we? Because like that's when Scotland that's play. We'll we'll try and get you on quicker. Maybe a wee Christmas special or something like that. Ah, that'd be nice. Look back in Scotland. We could take a. I look back and realise how well we've done. Yep, definitely. And again, just to plug well, the magazine, it's been out, what, about a month now, isn't it? Yeah, famous Tartan Army magazine's out. Uh, digital, free, online at tartanarmymagazine.com and John Bleasdale has written some excellent articles in this issue and we'll be looking to bring another one out just before Christmas. Um, before Christmas. Once, just after, yeah, just after the World Cup draw so we can look back and cover that as well as uh, you know the, the previous games we just spoke about earlier yeah aye two weeks away the draw isn't it I think pretty sure it's two weeks today yeah. I think the seventh yeah the seventh yeah seventh yeah uh, kind draw aye and then as we said earlier obviously the Scotland women's team good luck to them and uh, the double header definitely um, yeah. yeah mind you they're only played one game before we do this podcast potentially so, aye, best of luck to them. And Scott, cheers as always. Thank you very much. Good to have you back on this week after your uh, late absence note last week. Uh, sorry about that. And it was one that I was really looking forward to as well, but I know. just too busy, unfortunately. Yeah, you're just head stuck in books. Aye. Uh, had to be stuck in something. <laughs> right. Cheers again, guys. Thank you. Okay, cheers. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs>